Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with the scripture reading and a message. We would love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins on the corner of Napa and Hopkins. Or if you connect with our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. Our reading today is from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. So Paul established uh, uh, the church at Corinth, and there was great division and dissatisfaction at that time. By the time of this reading, uh, some had become spiritually faithful followers of Christ, but there was still active resistance for others, both to the church and to Paul himself. So Paul in this letter to the Corinthians is speaking as a pastor and is encouraging the faithful and seeks to bring the resistors, those weak in faith, and those disbelievers to God and to Christ. So I'm reading 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, and verses 7 through 15. If you'd like to follow along, it's in the Old Testament, page 180. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy... We do not lose heart. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, 
that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. This is the reading according to the New King James Version. And uh, grace, uh, thanks be to God. I want to share with you this morning about one of my heroes, Sister Chen Kong. My guess is that you probably have not heard of her, though you've probably heard of her closest collaborator, who was Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese Zen master. I've spoken of him in, in several sermons, especially uh, this summer. But Sister Chen Kong deserves really just as much credit as Thich Nhat Hanh, and yet the world largely does not know about her. Sister Chen Kong and Thich Nhat Hanh have sought together through their lives to build peace first in Vietnam, and then throughout the world. Sister Chang Kong was born in the Mekong Delta in 1938 and began working with the poor in the slums of Vietnam as a teenager. She was from a family, as she described as, not too rich, not too poor. Though she had a deep desire to serve, she felt that if she went into the inner cities, even, even as a teenager, without thought and intention, her deep desire to serve uh, would not be met with openness, that she would not be trusted. And so, and so when she entered these areas, she wore a frayed dress and and she asked people if they had seen her Uncle Ba, the rickshaw driver. She didn't have an Uncle Ba. But this was a way of communicating that she understood some of the challenges and the livelihood of the people who she was trying to be engaged with and in relationship with. She was able then to build rapport and begin to hear the honest challenges that people were facing and then respond in ways that she could to help. As war escalated in Vietnam, Sister Chang Kong founded with Thich Nhat Hanh the School for Youth and Social Service, which trained thousands of young peace workers to bring aid to the remote villagers of war-torn Vietnam. In this service, she and the peace workers received harassments from combatants on both sides, as well as experiencing frequent bombings. One of the images I love most about Sister Chang Kong is that she had a, a motorbike, kind of a, a souped-up moped, and she was known for driving her motorbike through dangerous situations, sometimes to bring aid to those in need, sometimes with a box of pamphlets strapped on her back that she and Thich Nhat Hanh had created on the third way the way of nonviolence, a way to transcend 
the sides in the conflict. She rode with bombs exploding beside her at the risk of being stopped and jailed or worse for the material that she was carrying on her back. She now lives in Plum Village in France, the monastery that she and Nathan founded, where hundreds of thousands come to learn and meditate on the way of peace and of being peace every year. Brave is a word that is often used to describe Sister Chen Kong, and she certainly deserves that praise, but bravery, I believe, is different from courage. To be brave is to be willing to face fear or danger or risk, but to have courage is to commit to a vision of something larger, something more excellent than what we experience today. Courage not only requires the facing of fear or danger or risk, but requires perseverance, fortitude. True courage requires an all-in kind of commitment. Sister Chang Kong was both brave and courageous. She was committed to continuing to speak her truth, that there was a way out of war, and that way was to not participate in the war. The force of the violence around her threatened her to pull her into it, as violence swirling in its centrifugal pull is wont to do. But she pressed on, braving danger every day, keeping in front of her and others a vision of peace that seemed remote at best, but to which she had given her full commitment. This is the courage to commit. As a Buddhist, Sister Chen Kong committed everything she had, her time, her resources, her vision, even her fear, to living in a way that both sought to bring about the reality of a peaceful world and acted as if that peaceful world of compassion already existed. And so for her, in some ways, it did exist and still does as she teaches others at Plum Village to this day. This has been a difficult week. I've heard from so many of you who are discouraged and feeling very low. We believe that speaking truth and calling for justice is the way to build a world that operates with compassion to bring healing and equality. Yet in one large and very public way this week, and in many smaller and private ways, Progress toward that world we seek and can even envision felt this week at best incomplete and at worst dangerous and violent. Sister Chang Kong too faced despair and destruction and sometimes a sense that all of her best efforts could not overcome the violence around her. She has said, sometimes I feel overwhelmed. But I try to work one day at a time. If we just worry about the big picture, we are powerless. So my secret is to start right away doing whatever little work I can do. I try to give joy to one person in the morning and remove the suffering 
of one person in the afternoon. That's enough. When you see you can do that, you can continue. And you give two little joys and you remove two little sufferings, then three and then four. If you and your friends do not despise this small work, a million people will remove a lot of suffering. That is the secret. Start right now. Our scripture for today comes from 2 Corinthians, in which Paul writes to his recently established church in Corinth. Corinth had many features which are reflected in our nation today. The most prosperous city in all of Greece, there were abundant signs of wealth in Corinth, yet there, Corinth, yet there was this great disparity between the wealthy and the poor. Corinth was an intellectual but a factious city with factions stemming from the disparate population which included Greeks and Romans and Jews and persons from the Far East as well as persons who were travelers and moved around this part of the ancient world. Paul had personally been involved in establishing the church at Corinth and when it began it had flourished but then it began to experience infighting and a lack of clarity of direction and it's out of this secondary context that the book of second corinthians comes to us which contains in its totality both rebuke and encouragement in our scripture today from second corinthians it's thought that paul is writing to the church at corinth after receiving word that the church has been able to reorient itself back towards its mission. But he knew that other challenges were going to come, other, other uh, things that, that challenged the church's ability to persevere. And so Paul writes, Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. Paul like Sister Chang Kong, knew that to persevere and eventually thrive, the church would need to have a deep commitment to a larger and long-term vision of peace and transformation, even while taking steps, small steps, each day. The short-term challenges would be present, and in the short term, there would be many defeats and setbacks. To continue to practice a daily walk of faith, as Sister Chen Kong described, of giving one person joy in the morning and removing the suffering of another person in the afternoon, this would require a kind of deep commitment that is only sustained by a kind of courage that presses on in spite of anything, knowing that the goal had ultimate value. For Paul, the symbol of that goal of ultimate value was the resurrection. In the resurrection, we see the ultimate courage to commit in the life and death of Jesus, who came to us in the midst of a fractured and oppressive world 
and continued day by day to proclaim liberty to the captives, good news to the poor, and healing for the brokenhearted. I believe that it was not a foregone conclusion that Jesus would die on a cross. It was always a possibility, but that possibility could not prevent Jesus from sharing the vision of what the world could be like and what our lives could be like and who we could be if we followed this way of love and truth and humility and sacrifice and generosity and deep and daily commitment. I believe he did know that if people failed to understand and respond to his healing and transforming message, the world in its brokenness would deliver him to the cross. And that, as we know, is what happened. But in the resurrection, we have confirmed that even death and brokenness, this this acute brokenness of the world could not conquer the ultimate power and rightness of the path toward a new heaven and a new earth of true peace that he showed us. Hear these words again from our scripture today from 2 Corinthians, which Willa read for us. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. Speak your truth, my friends, and know that you will be believed. Believe and speak your truth. This is an act of courage and commitment to a vision of the world that Jesus inaugurated. It is both here and not yet here. But we bring it evermore into existence when we have the courage to live out of this call and when we have the courage to commit to this vision no matter what we encounter, not even death. Today is World Communion Sunday. Christians all over the world on this first Sunday in October are partaking of the bread of life and the cup of courage. And this very holy worldwide communion is a part of what emboldens us to have the courage to commit. We are members of a worldwide body where our bodies are broken the body as a whole has power to heal. When one member fails, another will pick her up. When one member makes a mistake or causes harm, another member will assist in restoring harmony and rightness to what has been broken. We need each other and we are bound together in our common belief in the blessing of the path that Jesus showed us and in our hope for a world, a true global community in which every tear is wiped away and justice and compassion reign. Amen.